1: Welcome to Grounded and Growing in Christ. I'm Dan Rhoda, a pastor of Worland Park Christian Reformed Church, and today we are going to open the Bible together to hear from God's Word. This month we are focusing on the topic of gratitude throughout the Bible, exploring how God has instructed us to flourish in the world with hearts grateful and thankful to God. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. There you can learn more about this audio ministry. And we'd love if you'd consider providing financial support by making a gift of any amount. If you're not part of the local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. Now let's turn together in our Bibles to explore what God has shared with us about gratitude.
2: Let's give our attention now to Ecclesiastes chapter 8, starting with verse 2 and reading through verse 17. Let's remember as we read this, that this is God's word. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme, and who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be, for who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun, when man had power over man to his hurt. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity. Because of the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear before God. There is a vanity that takes place on earth, that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this is also vanity. And I commend joy, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful, for this will go well with him in his toil throughout the days of his life that God has given to him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the uh, the business that's done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep. Then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. What we've come to is a centrally important passage within the book of Ecclesiastes. If you've been here since the very beginning of the Ecclesiastes sermon series, you might have your Ecclesiastes five keys bookmark now I had lost mine so I actually grabbed the last one from the info table today so we might need to make a few more up and set them out on the info table so that more people can get and have them but I wanted to run through them at the outset of the sermon and show you how this is the passage that contains all of the keys within one chapter. It's the only chapter that has each key to the book of Ecclesiastes. So let's run through that together. We're gonna have on the screen what we put on these bookmarks that give to us the keys for understanding the book of Ecclesiastes. The first is this, under the sun. This is a repeated phrase that you'll find over and over and over again throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. This phrase, under the sun, refers to life as it is seen from the perspective of the world. That means excluding the perspective of God, excluding the way that God gives To us to look into the book of Ecclesiastes. Under the sun means this is the way of things apart from considering God's part in all of this. That is a greatly repeated phrase in the book of Ecclesiastes, and you would see that it is repeated four times in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. It's in verse 9, it's twice in verse 15, and it's in verse 17. The second word that you'll hear repeated over and over and over again throughout the book of Ecclesiastes is the word vanity. Vanity. That's the second key to understanding the book of Ecclesiastes, that all is vanity. This word that's translated vanity means breath or vapor. It means that the life that we have is difficult to grasp onto. It's like holding on to your own breath. It's not something that you can easily grasp. Human life is is a vapor. It's brief and it's subject to frustration. That's why you hear the word vanity repeated over and over again. And you may have noticed again, it's used three times in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. It's used in verse 10. It's used twice in verse 14. The third key to understanding the book of Ecclesiastes is this phrase, man cannot find it out. This is a theme throughout the book of Ecclesiastes as well, that human beings are unable to understand the meaning of life on their own. And you may notice that the verse reference that we used here comes right from Ecclesiastes chapter 8, which we just read, because this phrase is used twice in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 17. The fourth key to understanding the book of Ecclesiastes is knowing that the book calls on us to fear God, that the scriptures call upon us to fear God, to acknowledge that there is a God, to acknowledge that we are not God and that he is And again, you can see the reference uh, is Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 13, and 14. But if you paid attention to the reading here, you can see that fear God was used here as well. Three times in verses 12 and 13 here of Ecclesiastes chapter 8. And the last key to understanding the book of Ecclesiastes is joy. You need to understand that God has given us a lot to enjoy, even in this frustrating, in this vapor-like life that we have here. And um, this phrase, joy, is referenced twice and it's commended in verse 15 of Ecclesiastes chapter 8. And so what we have here in this chapter is the one chapter in the entire book of Ecclesiastes where each one of the keys to understanding the book is present in one chapter. And what that means is that if you are visiting with us this morning because you've made a trip here for Mother's Day, you are blessed today because you're going to find out in one Sunday what it's taken us four months to understand here as a congregation. Because all of the keys of the book of Ecclesiastes are present here in this one chapter. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, like the entire book of Ecclesiastes, tells us that life is a great mystery. It's impossible to hold on to. It's inscrutable. It's like a vapor. It's like trying to catch and hold on to your own breath. And Ecclesiastes chapter 8 takes a good, hard look at life and acknowledges that it is challenging, that it is difficult, that it is filled with sorrow, that it contains all manner of hardship, and that in the midst of hardship, you can still find joy. That is a significant message throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's contained here in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Life is filled with hardship and challenges, and in the midst of all of the suffering and sorrow and hardship and challenges of this life, we may still find joy. The Bible is unflinchingly honest about life. The book of Ecclesiastes is unflinchingly honest about life. And Ecclesiastes chapter 8 is unflinchingly honest about life. The world is filled with suffering. Or, as Wesley says in The Princess Bride, one of my favorite movies, life is pain, Highness. Anyone who tells you differently is selling something. This life under the sun is difficult. And being a Christian will not spare you from tragedy or heartbreak or sorrow. But for the Christian, sorrow cannot destroy your joy either. So let's work our way through the text. Let's see the five hardships that are mentioned specifically within this portion of Scripture. And then let's see how it is that we are called to respond. So hardship number one. The first hardship that we experience in this life under the sun. You must follow leaders who are sometimes frivolous or unfit or unrighteous. Verses 2 through 5 and verse 9 tells us this from Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Let me direct our attention to this again. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, 2 through 5 and verse 9. It says this, I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme and who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. And verse 9 says this, verse 9 says, all this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun when man had power over man to his hurt. So the point of this passage of scripture is very clear. It's a wise statement that's given to us. It's a statement that tells us, listen to those who are in authority. Now for those who received this initial testimony, inspired by the Holy Spirit, given from the preacher, they were told, obey and listen to the king. Obey and listen and follow the king's command. Obey and listen and do that which the king says. And the implication for those of us who don't have a king is very clear. There are those who are in authority over you, and our call is to obey and listen to those who are in authority over you. That's not to obey them into evil or to wickedness. If a ruling or a governing authority tells you to do something which would disagree with the law of God, you agree with the law of God and not with the law of man. But insofar as you are able to follow the directives of those who are in authority over you, You're to listen and follow and obey.
1: Today's message on Grounded and Growing in Christ will continue in just a moment. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, to listen to other messages from our audio ministry, or to make a financial gift of any amount, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. That's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This audio ministry is made possible by gifts from listeners like yourself and we greatly appreciate all those of you who continue to make it possible to share this work with listeners across Chicagoland. Now let's return to today's message on the topic of gratitude.
2: Do you notice the way that Ecclesiastes chapter 8 speaks here? It says, Be not hasty to go from his presence, do not take your stand on evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. Yikes. That's a dangerous statement. A king who does whatever he pleases? The sort of king or leader that does whatever he pleases is going to do some things that you might not be particularly pleased with. And then notice the way that verse 9 talks about life under the sun when one man has power over another to his hurt. So, what he's doing in talking about this is talking about the sort of king that may be frivolous, doing whatever he would want, and the sort of king that sometimes exercises his power over another. And fails to benefit those that he serves and those that he leads. Despite that, despite that there are at times leaders of this sort of way, the hardship for us is that we still need to listen. At any given time, the ruler of a nation may be manifestly unfit for office. The ruler of a nation may speak in unguarded or unrighteous ways. They're still in charge. The leader of a nation may tweet fastidiously about foolish things. They're still in charge. And so we need to follow. And you know, one of the things that is sometimes tempting for a a person that's a part of the United States of America is to say, thus and such person is just not my president. That's something that I've heard from people on the left side and the right side of the aisle in either this administration or the last administration. This person is just not my president. I don't don't agree with them. I didn't vote for them, so I don't need to follow them. And the call to us here is to say, that person is an authority over you. And if you're an American, there are a lot of blessings that are given to us. Yeah, that president is your president. And within the system of which we are a part, we can disagree fiercely with the approach of a given leader. And sometimes we should and sometimes we must. We should speak out against that which is wrong in their actions or their speech or their lifestyle or their policy. But we always do it with an attitude of humble submission and appreciation of their God-given authority. But this is a hardship that we experience in life. We must at times follow leaders who are frivolous or unrighteous. And the second hardship is this. The second hardship in life under the sun is that you don't know when you'll die. This is recorded for us in verses 6 through 8. Verses 6 through 8 of Ecclesiastes chapter 8. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be, for who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. The second hardship that Ecclesiastes chapter 8 tells us about in relation to life is that you and I do not know when it is that we will die. As a minister, I've had the opportunity to see this from the outside a number of times. Anytime I get a cell phone call that's very early in the morning or very late at night, my heart always sinks. Because generally, the call is to tell me that someone has died, and oftentimes it's unexpected. None of us are in control of it. On any given Sunday, this could be our last chance to come and worship together as the family of God. When we part, it may be the last time that we're saying goodbye to that person because none of us is in control of the time where we die, and none of us knows when it is that's going to happen. Death comes to all of us. In the last 2,000 years, it has been thwarted only once. And if the Lord tarries, if the Lord does not return, you and I will all face death as well. This is why life is so vapor-like. This is why it's gone in an instant. And this hardship of life is one of the things that we need to face to uh, we need to face up to today as the text of the scriptures force us to stand face to face with it none of us knows the time where we where our days will be brought to an end and so what that means is this the call for those of us who don't know when our end is coming the call for all of us is to trust in Jesus Christ The call for us is to trust in Jesus and to follow after him. You don't know when the Lord will call you to come home. You do not know when the Lord has for your days to come to an end, which means that now, that today is the day that we need to determine, I will trust and serve and follow God. Today is the day to turn your back on sin and to walk in repentance and faith after your Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Today is the day to make that determination and to say, I will serve you with my heart and soul and mind and strength. I will forsake all others. You will be my God. I will be your own. Today it's important to do it because none of us knows when the day is that we will die. Here's the third hardship. Here's the third hardship. Sometimes the wicked prosper. Sometimes the wicked prosper. Verse 10 says it so clearly for us. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place. And were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity. That's what verse 10 tells us. Sometimes the wicked prosper. And the naturing of their prospering here in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 is especially frustrating to us. Why? Because the preacher here, the preacher sees the burying of the wicked sees one being buried who is wicked. And so this is a person who is known as being wicked, but he also knows about the life of this person that this is the person that used to go in and out of the holy places. What that means is that this was a person, if we were to put it in today's terms, who was well acquainted with church. This is the sort of person that was in church Sunday in and Sunday out, despite the fact that everyone knew that this was a wicked person. And despite his wickedness, This is a person who is in church and was praised in the surrounding community. This is a particularly hard thing to deal with. And then verse 15, again, tightens the screws even further. Verses 14 and 15 say this. There is a vanity that takes place on earth. That there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. And there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. And so what Ecclesiastes chapter 8 is telling us is that sometimes not only are there wicked, sometimes not only are those wicked to be found in the holy places, sometimes not only are those wicked found in holy places and praised in those places and praised in the community, but sometimes they actually even prosper. And sometimes the way of, of the wicked it seems like they're receiving all of the benefits or the blessings that one would assume should go to someone who is righteous and faithful and thoughtful and careful. Sometimes it is the wicked that seem to have all of the wealth. Sometimes it's the wicked that seem to have all of the health, all of the power, all of the popularity, all of the blessed family life. And this is a hardship that we face and deal In life under the sun, that sometimes the wicked not only prosper, but they do it even as the righteous suffer. That all of the blessings that we would assume should go to the righteous go to the wicked as they're praised for it, and people speak well of them for it. Even as the righteous suffer. This is not the way that it's supposed to be. And it's one of the hardships of life. And it leads us to the fourth hardship that wickedness is not punished. Here's what verse 11 says of Ecclesiastes. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Wickedness takes root, and it takes root in places because sometimes it's just not punished. You and I know this to be true. Sometimes wickedness becomes enshrined in law. Sometimes it becomes the way that the popular in any given society or community operate. Sometimes it becomes the way that the church functions. And as it is not ended, people become evil. And that is not the way that it's supposed to be. Derek Kidner, a faithful commentator on this portion of scripture, says that it's at this point that the preacher becomes so upset about life under the sun and seeing that the wicked thrive and that sometimes wickedness is not brought to an end and not punished, that he has to step away from the objectivity of life under the sun and bring in some revelation that comes from the Lord, that comes in from beyond the sun. Because here's what the preacher says then in verses 12 and 13. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked. Neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear before God. You see what he's saying? The preacher steps back and says, I know that at times wickedness goes unpunished in this life. I know that sometimes the wicked are the ones that actually thrive and succeed and seem to be the ones who are praised and experience the benefits of healthy family lives or wealth. But I know that ultimately it will be well for those who fear God and it will not be well for those who are wicked and do not fear the Lord. What the preacher is saying here is that there will be a reckoning, there will be a setting right of things that right now are oh so very wrong. There will come a time when Christ returns, when he makes all things new, when he sets right everything that has been false. When that happens, the promise that's held out for all of us who trust in Jesus by the scriptures is that it will be well for you. One of my favorite portions of scripture is Revelation chapter 21, which talks about the world as it will be when Christ is triumphed. In one of the portions of scripture that it's hard for me to ever read out loud without crying is where it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eye. I think it's encouraging in two ways. The first is that this promise is held out to me as a Christian and to you if you trust in Jesus Christ that that Christ will wipe away my tears and yours. What a beautiful promise. The other reason it's encouraging for me is that the fact that there are tears for Christ to wipe away when we go to be with him is an indication that it's not weird that sometimes they characterize us now. He hasn't wiped them away yet. We still deal with life under the sun. And that means that we still deal with the trials and tragedies and hardships that exist in this life under the sun. It means there are still tears that will need to be wiped away when Christ returns and makes all things new. And it means that those who are joined to Christ, it will be well for you. It will be well for you. It also says to us that if we're acting in wickedness, if there's an unrepentant wickedness that still sits in your heart, give it up. Give it up. If that's what you're clinging to or holding on to, it's not going to be well for you. Give it up. There's a final judgment and a life everlasting. And we believe in the forgiveness of sins and in the resurrection of the body. And life eternal. So trust in Jesus. And know the saving grace that comes when you are joined to him by faith. Know the forgiveness that comes at the cross. And the fullness of his grace for all of those who trust in Christ. And Christ alone for their salvation. Here's the last hardship. Here's the last hardship. The fifth hardship is that we don't understand the ways of God. In fact, we cannot understand the ways of God. Here's what verses 16 and 17 of the text tell us this morning. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that's done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep, then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out all the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot